Hello, beautiful light-filled souls. I'm so excited to be here with Carolyn Clapper, and I've been studying her website and talking with her for a while. She is an amazing evidential medium, and I really want to start there with some of that and the medical intuition. Of course, these terms really don't cover everything that it is that you do, and that's really my first question to you. So psychic, medical, intuitive, and evidential medium. What do you... How would you classify what you do, Carolyn? I think you just kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm an evidential medium. Uh, I guess I'm psychic as well. Um, I've basically been labeled several things. I'm a medical medium also, and I find missing people. So it's kind of a whole genre. People say that I have three abilities that I excel in. And so they're kind of calling me like silly names, like the triple threat, which is, doesn't <laughs> sound good. It's threatening, so I don't really like cling to that label. Um, but yeah, I have three areas that I excel in. So the healing, the healing ability of talking with people who've lost a child or talking with people who are in deep pain. I think that's really what's amazing. You know, I've, I've given a few readings myself and I know that, you know, for example, if someone's an adoptee or if someone's lost a kid, you know, you are doing so much in those moments. Were you amazed when you did jump into this and, and begin readings, uh, how emotionally powerful and profound it all is? I mean, I have to be honest, like when it first began, I was coming out of an NDE myself. Um, it hit me like a train. So, you know, the emotional end of it, I was like kind of self-focused at first, like it hit me first. So I do understand the emotional impact of it. Um, it wasn't until I could take myself out of the equation and step out of it that I started to kind of recognize other people's feelings in the situation. I know it sounds odd, but because I didn't, you know, seek it out and it wasn't something that I knew much about, you know, I mean, it's not something that I read up on. I didn't watch the shows. I, you know, it wasn't something I was that interested in, to be honest with you. So you know, when it happened to me, it was emotional for me and then also for the people that I was speaking with. Yeah. And what amazes me about your story, and I've read a lot about it, is that you had an NDE-like experience. You were very ill with meningitis and you met a council of people who you bargained with to come back for your son. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about that moment because, or just lead us through it? Because it is a very powerful story that, that you were you're gifted with abilities to help others. Right, so I mean, it's kind of a long story, but I don't wanna be long-winded. Um, I guess the brief of it is that I have always suffered from migraine headaches. So I had laid down one night thinking that I had a severe migraine and I just didn't get out of bed again. I was really, really, really sick and I couldn't speak. Everything was coming out like alphabet soup or something. Like you couldn't understand what I was saying. I was alone in my home. Both of my parents were crossed over. Any family that I had was hours from me. So I was literally alone with my five-year-old child and he was running around. I didn't know what time of the day it was. You know, day turned into night. I don't, to this day, I don't know how long I was actually laying in my bed for. Um, my son would come to me and try to like wake me up with little gifts, like little toy cars and give me presents. And, you know, but he just didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to call 911. Um, and when I was in that state, a friend of mine texted me on a whim, someone I hadn't spoken with in, oh God, a couple of years, I want to say. And she just asked me if I was okay at like two in the morning. And I texted her, I was, I was able to text. I texted her back, help. And she fell asleep, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she did show up like two hours later. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So she came over and my son let her in the house. Um, while, you know, in between the time of me texting her help and the time that she arrived at my house, I kept having this reoccurring dream 
it was like a vision, I guess. And I kept seeing my mom by my bedside and she's sitting next to me. I'm eight years old. I'm back in time. I'm eight. My mom was a single mom. And, you know, we would stay home alone when we were really little, if we were sick. And I kept seeing her and she would say, Carolyn, touch your chin to your neck. Okay. And we called it the chin check when we were little. We had no idea why she would ask us to touch our chin to our neck if we had a sore throat when we were little. But, um, you know, she kept telling me to do that over and over again. And so I'm sitting up in my head, I'm seeing myself as I'm eight and I'm touching my chin to my neck, you know, and I'm fine. And she gives me a kiss on my head and she says, okay. And she goes to work. Well, this time I'm just seeing this replay over and over and over again in my head. And finally I hear her clear as day and she says, Carolyn, sit up, you know, and touch your chin to your neck. And I'm like, oh, okay. It registers. So I sit up and I try and I can't. And I start projectile vomiting. I know it's gross, but wow. I start projectile vomiting and I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, right? But I can't. It's like my head's fused, right? So then I, I see an ambulance in my head. She brings it to the forefront of my mind, okay? And then she says, clear as day. She goes, meningitis, right in my ear. And I'm like, I don't know at this point. I don't know what meningitis is. I was completely ignorant to the disease. I had no idea. And I lay back down and I don't remember anything till I'm in the hospital. I guess I've been there for about eight hours in the ER because my friend had come over and they had called the ambulance and I was now in the ER. They couldn't figure out what's going on with me. I'm dry heaving and stuff. I can't get out any words. Finally, I muster up the word meningitis. And the nurse comes in and says, what did you say? And I say it again. And she's like, oh, we didn't even think of that, right? So they tapped my spine and I did have two strains of it. They, so I was in isolation, had the heart wow. stent in the whole nine yards. My heartbeat was down to 31 beats a minute. They're literally like, you're not going to survive this, right? Because nothing was helping. Wow. Um, the only thing that would give me any relief, and this is going to sound kind of corny, but the only thing that would give me relief is my son. When he came in the room after a few days of isolation, they brought him in and my heartbeat raised to 61 beats a minute. So it was like when they took him away, it would drop. When they brought him in, it would raise. And it's just that power of love. Like I oh, love him. Yeah anything. No, in fact, I've heard stories exactly like this. There was a mother who recently told me about her son passing mm -hmm. and his heart would go up when they had to put him, they had to take him off um, when he the breathing machine and his heart kept going up every time she went in the room and he stayed alive longer than he should it's have. So, it's so real. Like I, I would believe it unless, unless I had been through it, but it's the power of love. And just like, I don't know, just the fact that he depends so strongly on me. It's like just that alone is powerful enough. So I'm laying there in the hospital bed and I keep crossing over. It wasn't that I had like this, it was kind of like I was in between two worlds at the same time, right? I was like one foot in and one foot out the whole time I was there. And as I'm going, slipping back, you know, in between the worlds, I'm seeing my mom I'm seeing my dad. I'm seeing my friends who've passed over. So I'm like really ecstatic. Like I'm seeing all these people that I haven't seen in a while. So happy to see them. And they're just hanging out. It was almost like they were hanging out in this room, right? That was like 70s style, which is just funny. It was like mustard toned and like really tacky actually. <laughs> like what? Okay. So is it a supposed to have granite or something at least? But um, Oh, you're killing me. So they were like, you know, just hanging out in this space. There's all these people I didn't know as well. Um, and it was as though they were waiting for me to be birthed into the next world. Did you feel disconnected from yourself or did you feel torn oh. between two places? Oh, oh no, I was totally disconnected. Oh. No, I was like, oh yeah, I, I was there. I was in the next space and I'm, I'm watching all this, but I couldn't at that moment. I wasn't exchanging words. I was watching them and I could hear them but I couldn't speak to them. Okay. So it was like, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not, you know? And then at one point, you know, I've all my days mixed up, <laughs> but finally <laughs> at one point I'm laying there and I just was outside of myself. I could see, I had a, a hospital gown on. I could see my own ass. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
myself <laughs> and I could see myself. And, and it what, was it, really what did you think of yourself? Like, and that's always a weird yeah, thing. It when wasn't you... so great. It yeah. was not the hardest moment by any I saw blood, you know, coming out during surgery. It was really gross. I was like, oh, that's nasty. Listen to that. That's crazy. And, and so, then you can see yourself. Yeah. So I'm seeing myself, not the same way you did. I'm seeing myself like as I'm standing. It was really weird. Oh. It was like I was standing and then I'm looking at myself from behind and then I would go into myself again in that space. Wow. So I'm standing there and there's a committee of people, probably about 30 people. And there's one person that I was focused on. It was a female and she had silver hair and she was in the center. And they're just all looking at me, like evaluating me. It, seemed, it felt like I was being evaluated, like I'm just being stared at. And I had no emotion, none. I had not, no emotion. I just felt like at peace, I guess. I just felt calm, you know? And they were speaking and I could not understand what they were saying. It was really quiet. And they gave me a moment to spoke and somehow I knew it was my moment to speak. <laughs> And I just asked them, please let me stay for my son. And the woman turned to the person next to her and spoke and then turned back to me and said, yes, if you do this work for us without moving her mouth. Okay. So she spoke to me without moving her lips and I heard her and she said, if you do this work for us. And I said, yes. And I had no clue what I was agreeing to. Uh, it was just like a very absolute feeling like, well, duh. Of course, like I'll do anything because I just wanted to stay with my son, you know, um, and they all gathered back together and they came to this huge white light and they moved from my feet through my body and up through my head and I was completely healed. It was on 11, 11, 11 and I was 100% cured and they have no idea how. I want to get back to the 11, 11, 11, but I want to ask first, do you think that it was uh, not only just healing that light? Cause I've, I've felt that light over there, but do you think it was also knowledge and gifting you, you know, opening up some of your abilities? Do you think it was things that you can't decipher in a moment? It's so quick and it's just, it just entered your body in this way that you'll decipher over time. I mean, for me, it was like I had lost a lot of ability, like a lot of function, um, like my ability to communicate was gone. Um, my brain was swollen. My spine was swollen. That's what happens with the illness. And um, I truly, I mean, the only thing that I can say is I feel like when they went back through me, when they went through me and they healed me, it kind of like rewired things in my brain a different way. So it's like maybe the synapses, I'm sure there's some scientific like reason behind all of this. I am positive that there's a scientific answer and I'm, I'm gonna seek it out. I've been searching for it since that day. But, you know, I'm sure there's science behind it. That's all I can say. I'm sure that it has something to do with energy, with science, everything like that. But I feel like my brain was rewired in a way as odd as that might sound and the rewiring or the refactoring of it to help me to communicate and be normal again to not have you know missing limbs to not be brain dead to not be handicapped I mean that took a lot of energy and effort on their behalf and I owe my life to them and you know it's I'm sure that it changed me and do you still communicate with them do you feel like they've helped you or was it just that moment so I don't communicate with the committee. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it, okay? Right. <laughs> I don't communicate per se with them. Um, you know, when I pray or when I speak um, aloud to spirit, I'm speaking to the universe, to the whole, to spirit, to God. Um, you know, I'm not speaking directly with them. I don't have a committee in front of me all the time. <laughs> so, like that was literally just like a one-time thing so far. So hopefully that's all it'll be for a while. Hopefully I'll be sticking around for a little bit and I won't see them anytime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. My I joke with my dad on the other side who his final telepathic message to me before he left for him was see you soon. 
And I was oh, like, not no, that soon. No, no, no. <laughs> I know this life is a blink of an eye, but come on. <laughs> I've almost made the mistake of saying that to people in readings. I'm like, well, you'll see them soon. And then you're like, no, 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 don't say that. Cause that'll just open up a whole of questions. Like, what do you mean? See you soon. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, tell me a little bit about the significance of 11, 11, 11. Cause if you're on spiritual blogs or spiritual posts, you know, people use this oh, all the man. time. What does it mean? Always ask that. I know I open the door up for that. Yeah. I know that it's my fault that I have this question coming at me all the time. But honestly, you guys, like I am not somebody who knows a whole lot about, you know, any of like the whole number, like the astrology thing. I'm not an astrologist or anything. I don't claim to be. Um, the significance for 1111 for me is obvious. It's apparent. Now, again, I didn't know that anyone else had an 1111 significance. I'm told I was totally ignorant to it. I'm not going to lie. So my 1111 thing began with that day, of course. Now, this is the funny thing. I had no clue when I was released, girl. I didn't care. I was like, I'm alive. You know, you're like, oh my God, you don't care if it's Tuesday or Thursday. Grateful for every little day. I don't care that it's November. I'm like, oh my God, I can smell the air. Like I'm not smelling dirty shoes in the hospital anymore. Like I'm out in the wind. I don't care what day it is. Now, the irony to that number for me, okay, was that I just, I just started noticing it. So I'm not somebody who wears a watch. I don't keep the time. I'm an artist and a musician. Okay, I was a portrait artist before this. Like, we don't care about time. I promise you, ask any of us, right? So I just don't keep track unless I have to be somewhere. Um, that being said, I started recognizing like every time that I would turn my phone on, okay, I would turn it on and it would say 1111. And I, I mean, not every time, but so often I would turn on my phone and it would say 1111 or I would get home and I had this artsy flip um, clock. It was like a little flippy one. It was a nerd clock, you know, and it would jam up on 1111. I'm like, what the, <laughs> like it would get stuck there. Right. In fact, one day it broke and the one, one of the ones came off of it and it just got stuck indefinitely. So now it's stuck on 1111. Okay. Wow. And it's hilarious. And every time that I saw 1111, I would think of my mom. And I'm like, oh, I love you guys. And it would remind me of my experience at the hospital, why I'm here. All these things would come to my mind. So energetically, I just started feeling love for this number. So on Facebook and stuff, I started posting 1111. At that time, every time I noticed it, 1111, 1111. So if you go back on my Facebook, you'll start seeing it like 1111, 1111 from like, I don't know, 2012 or 13 or something like that. I just started posting it. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, you're one of those too. You're an 1111 girl. I'm like, what do you mean one of those? Like what? <laughs> and, you know, it started to attract other people who also felt a connection to that number. And I didn't even know there was a community of people out there that were attracted to 1111. It wasn't until on my I hate talking about Facebook so much, but on my Facebook, on my timeline, a photograph, like a memory popped up and it was a photograph of me leaving the hospital. It was the day that I was healed and released. And I looked at it and it said 11, 11, 11. And as Oprah would put it, I had an aha moment. I was like, dude, how did I not know that? Wow. Wow. And I thought, oh my God. And all the connections, it's just all linked up. Synchronicity. So do you think it was your mom's nudge for you to start giving readings and to start connecting in that way? Or? I don't think it was my mom's nudge. I think, so I always get license plates too. Like now whenever I leave the house, every time I leave, I get stuck behind a car that has like synchronous, like patterns of three. So it will be like seven, 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 one, 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 you know, anything like that. So I started paying attention to that too. When something's in your face so much, you can't deny it. You start paying attention. And that's me. I don't look for it. I just, I'm like, I can't ignore it, right? So, um, no, every time that I recognized the time I thought of her and it reminded me of why I'm here, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's her. I think it's just spirit and God telling me that I'm heading in the right direction and I'm doing what I'm meant to do. It's yes. saying, it's giving me a pat on the back, like, all right, girl, good. You're doing it, you're listening. Yes. You know? And that is how angels communicate and how we do get those forms of communication. 
So yeah. how long before you left the hospital did you start giving readings? Did you, uh, were you in shock about that? How long did it take to integrate all that? So when I was in the hospital, I was giving readings. What? So when I was, yeah. <laughs> so when I was laying there um, and I was in and out of the next world, um, you know, there were people coming through to the nurses, their loved ones who were past, because not only was I seeing my loved ones over there, but I was also seeing other people, their loved ones who were around me, like nurses and doctors. And, um, you know, there were some people checking on me that I wasn't even really friends with, um, that I later became friends with. Like they were concerned about me because we had mutual friends and they were calling me and I didn't even know who they were, but they ended up being dear people to my heart and their loved ones were coming through over the phone. Um, I had one friend who would call me every day and check on me and his parents had died and I had no idea they died. And they came, they were hanging out with my parents. They were all hanging out together in the room. And I'm like, I'm, his name's Chris. He'd be fine with me talking about him. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Hey, your parents are here. We're on the phone and I'm out of it, you know? And I have like the phone laying there and you know, I'm half in and out of it. And he says, what did you just say? And I see that his parents drown and you know, that they were hanging out with my parents. They're fine. They described them head to toe. They had messages for him. It was a very moving conversation. You know, he had some release there on the phone. Of course it's sad, you know, it's really sad and hard, but really happy as well. And he's a very spiritual person too. So he has a bond with them already, but it was just confirmation for him. And um, in fact, he saved my life a couple times over the phone. Like there was a couple times when my heart stent was in wrong and I almost died and he was screaming at the nurse through the phone and called the hospital and wow. had angels here, had angels, angels there, you know what I mean? It takes a village. So, yeah. and when I came out of the hospital, um, I had to do intravenous antibiotics for a little while. I was sent home fine. They were like, but you have to continue the antibiotics anyways, just as a precaution. So I had to do it in my arm and I'm not a nurse. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And there were a couple times when air bubbles got stuck in the line and I just did, I took care of it. I didn't even know what I was doing, Trisha. Like I had no clue what I was doing. And it was like, they took me over and I did it. And by the time the nurse got there, she's like, how did you know what to do? And I'm like, I, I didn't, I don't know what I did. Wow. And so things started in the hospital, basically. You were interacting in that other realm. and I would like to say yes, but then part of me is like, you know, no, something happened before the hospital because my mom told me that I had meningitis, and that was before right. I was healed. So this, you know, where did it start? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if there's a defining moment. The defining moment to me is, you know, with the committee, because I had an answer, right? Right. Um, but my mom came to me and she's the one who diagnosed me for the doctors. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for her either. Right, right. And to answer your question, when it started big time for me, I was sitting in the bathtub. Um, it was the first bath I was taking after, you know, cause I had all this, I was rigged up and I was sitting in a shallow bath and a girl, another girlfriend of mine called me out of nowhere and hadn't spoke to her in years. It's just bizarre. So I hadn't spoke to this girl in years. Her name's Annie. And she called me and she was really distraught. She was really upset. And I'm trying to negotiate, trying to help her. And as I'm trying to talk to her as a friend or as a, like a lean on person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody took me over and all of a sudden I could see her sitting on her couch. I've never been in her new place at this point. And her grandma, I could see her grandmother and I could see Anne with her grandmother's pink hat to her nose and she's sniffing it. She's smelling of it to smell her grandma. And I was like, Anne, did your grandma die of cancer? And I started talking to her and she says, oh my God, yes. And she's telling me that, you know, you, you smell her hat all the time to smell her. And it was the last hat she was wearing before she passed. And I described it and her grandmother came through and told me, you know, about a figurine that was on her mantle that she had just moved recently. And a box that was up in her attic that she hadn't gone through. She told her, go through that box. This is what's going to be in it. And she told her what would be in it. And, you know, all of these things. And 
when I hung up the phone with her, I mean, after like an hour, you know, I hang up the phone. I was very calm on the phone with her and I hang up and I drop the phone and I'm just shaking because I didn't know what happened. It was like, it was like her grandmother's spirit calmed me and put me in this state of mind while I was giving the reading. And afterwards it freaked me out. Yeah, I I understand what you mean. It is a little freaky, you know, if someone takes you over to that degree. (laughs) Well, right. Like when you don't know, when you're not really inviting it. So it was like, that was my first, that was my true first, like full on reading was in my tub and I hung up in the bath water had gone cold. I'm shaking. I stand up, I go into the living room naked and I'm standing in the living room crying, going, what has happened to me? What is going on? Please tell me. And it just came to me again, that moment with the committee, the woman, the whole situation of me agreeing to do this. And when I remembered that, it calmed me down. So I have a question I heard on one of your interviews, or maybe I read it somewhere, that you're glad that you get a lot of evidence and you get a lot of specifics because you would be skeptical. You would be the type of person if you're going into a reading that you would want these. And we have a a mutual friend who had a reading from you and I I read his blog and all the evidence that you got about his daughter. Um, Do you think that, what do you think that um, that means to you as, as the reader to give all those specifics? Because I want to skip them a lot of times because I want to get to the love, but I know that people really want this. So So I um, I definitely don't skip past that part because that's the most important message, right? But to me, I am a huge skeptic. I'm somebody who's always been skeptical. Like I, I could never adhere to like one religion. I was always like, you know, I believe in God and everything, but it's like, I couldn't, I was always questioning everything. Whenever I would believe in something, I'd also question it. And I believe in science as well. And I read a lot and I believe in energy. I mean, there's a lot of things that I believe in. And for me, let's put it plainly. If I if I wanted to talk to my mom, if I did not have this ability and I wasn't so absolutely positive and certain that everything was okay with her over there and everything was great, I would seek you know, I would seek something out and I'd want answers. And if I wanted answers, I would want evidence. And we're a material world. We are, we're meat. That's what we are. We're meat. So I call this the meat world sometimes as gross as (laughs) that's what we're made of. And meat goes bad, but the spirit doesn't, the spirit moves Mm -hmm. on. And it's like, you know, we're, I don't know. It's like we're in a world that is tangible. And so I need tangible evidence to know that somebody's not BSing me, to know that it's not, you know what I mean? Like for me, that's just me. And and that's not everybody. And I'm not saying that, I, I don't know. That's just how I no, feel. No, 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 that, that makes a lot of sense. And there's- I have to go and like find stuff. Like for me, I love it when people are like, no, Carolyn, you're wrong. Like in a reading, they'll be like, um, no, we don't know what you're talking about with this. And I'm like, that's okay. Cause you'll call me in like an hour and tell me that you found it. And every single time they call, they're like, Oh my God, I talked to my mom and she did find a green shoe. And I don't know, you know, it's like, there's, those are the moments I live for. Cause they're fun. And, and it's like little gifts from, yeah. that, you know, from their loved ones. And that kind of evidence is important, but so is the medical intuition. So do you have any specific examples of that? Because I always think, you know, as being this meat suit, like, you know, there's all this talk of manifestation and, you know, like, you know, we're going to manifest an illness and all this with our thoughts and all that. And I'm like, but we're all going to die. <laughs> so then, you know, at some point we are, are all leaving, you know, no, no matter how yeah. long. That is, and it's not always a failure, um, you know, no, so we're, we're meant to, not. to die, but at the same time, there are certain illnesses that plague people, and I have, a, I have a friend who recently had a dream about her tooth, went to the dentist, got it taken out, and then all the pain in her arm went away, so there's, mm, you know, there's, there's that's so of, awesome, I'm that's sure you, that's so good, yeah, I'm sure I, you have examples like that, and that's, what do you make of the medical intuition stuff? Well, 
I feel like I'm so redundant because I'm like, well, again, um, I didn't know that I could do the medical reading until somebody asked me to. And it was a girlfriend of mine. I was driving in my car one day and she called me and she's like, Carolyn, my mom is so sick. I don't know what's wrong with her. I had never met her mother. I didn't know anything about her. This woman who was my friend, she um, grew up at her grandparents' house. So in high school, I knew her, but she lived with her grandparents. So I really knew nothing about her history. And so I'm like, I don't really know what's wrong with your mom. I'm driving. I've got my son in the car. And she's like, can you just try? Please, please, please. I don't know what's going on with this. Please try. And I'm like, okay, shh. Like, just shut up for a second. I'm going to try. <laughs> so I'm, I, I reach, right? I reach and I'm on the phone with her. And I'm like, please just tell me what's going on with her mother. And they tell me, uh, they, sh they take me into her stomach and they show me her bladder and they show me that it's very cloudy, uh, cloudy urine and that it's uh, very condensed with, with blood as well. So they show me that it's got some blood in it, that it's leak. This is kind of graphic, but it's like leaking out into her underwear, but it's not just leaking out that way. It's, it's leaking. It, it's, it's path. It's like, um, the barrier between the, uh, you know, the urinary tract and then into your, you know, the rest of your bodies, it's kind of like leaking out and it's being absorbed into her veins. It's very graphic. It's like, I get it um, with graphics sometimes. And so I see it visually that it's like going into her bloodstream and it's all over her body. And then they say she's septic. And they show me that she needs a broad spectrum IV antibiotic. They say three hours, you know, get her to the ER in three hours or she's going to die. So I tell Jill, I'm like, get her to the ER right now, because if you don't, she could die. I'm like, get her there, tell them to, I mean, suggest, because you can't tell a doctor to do something. There's okay, but suggest, recommend, say she's got issues with bladder infections. I think she's septic. That's what she's acting like, blah, blah. At this point, I didn't even know what septic meant. I'm going to be honest with you. I literally didn't know. I, I assumed but I didn't know. Um, and so they put her on a broad spectrum antibiotic. They gave her a urinary tract test. They did all this stuff. Like a, she had a UTI, it had gone septic and she would have died if she hadn't brought her in there. So that's the first time. That was one thing I was thinking as you were telling me this, like, do you have uh, any knowledge uh, training, you know, like as a nurse or, you know, any back, have you read biology textbooks after that to kind of familiarize no. yourself or is it all just given as words and specifics in that way? Okay. Well, so that was my first experience with any like emergency medical situation. Now, then I realized I could go inside people's bodies and they could show me. So it opened up an entirely different realm for me um, as far as my capabilities and my potential in this field. And everything's been a learning a learning thing for me. It's like, it's like they're teaching me. Books aren't teaching me. Other mediums aren't teaching me. Spirit and God are teaching me. Nobody else. At now, maybe I am taking pieces and like learning from other people. But, but at the time, no, it was just, I'm learning from the source. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, so, you know, I do have a background. I was a massage therapist. I did take pathology. I took, you know, physiology and, you know, bed biology. I mean, I've been in college. I, I'm educated, but, um, you know, not severely and definitely not to the degree that I would know uh, illnesses and, you know, not like a nurse or a doctor or anything like that. So no, I know basic like anatomy, physiology, pathology, things like that. But, you know, being a massage therapist in the past, I mean, I don't know how anybody else is, but I forgot 95% right. of what they taught me. The second I left that door, I was like, okay, peace. And I did my massages. And it's not like you're discussing pathology and biology <laughs> stuff with your clients. I mean, they're getting a massage, okay? So you're not, if you're not using it and you're not thinking about it all the time, you lose that dialogue. So it's somewhere in the back of my head, I'm sure. I had to retain it for tests, but it's not at the forefront. It's not on the tip of my tongue. So that being said, when I go through people now, you know, it, it, that was the shifting point. I've worked with spirit. I now know what my abilities are. Um, it was then that I started really working with them and knowing that I could be a medical medium, um, or that I was a medical medium. Um, 
I then was taught how to do it correctly in a non-emergency situation. So do you, do you find that you sometimes give people supplements or things to do or go to the doctor? I mean, is it a variety of things that you're handing to people? Right. So I don't, but they yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I can't take credit for the information that comes through, but they definitely give them um, pages and pages of information. So what I do is I go through everybody's right hand. Um, I do a lot of my medical readings by phone because I work both nationally and internationally. So I have a very broad clientele base. Um, I also have doctors as my clients, um, also psychiatrists, and these are renowned doctors um, who come to me for uh, odd cases or strange um, medical mysteries and things like that. Um, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just very proud of that because it's taken a while to get here. And now that I'm here, I'm ecstatic because I know that I'm actually making a difference um, in this movement. I'm, I know, I'm, girl. I'm I, so love, I am me too. I'm not like, I'm over here like, yes, yes, yes. Because and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm proud of more so than myself. I'm proud of them. I'm like, yes. man, you guys rock. You guys exactly. rock. These are my people. You know, I'm like, okay. I've got five doctors I work with on the other side. They stand behind me, okay? When I give a medical reading, they're all back here. When I give spiritual readings, they're in front of me, okay? So it's two different methods. When I go through people uh, medically, I go through their right hand. I ask to know nothing medically about them just as I go into spiritual readings. Um, I go through and I ask a series of questions because the, the doctors will stop me at certain points of the body and tell me where there's been trauma and I'll dissect it with them, okay? And we'll look at it and see what's going on. I will get confirmation from the person that I'm on the phone with or sitting with and we'll move forward. And at the end, we have pages of information and from there, they'll give recommendations of who they should see, whether it be naturopathically, whether it be, um, you know, ac acupuncture, you know, whether it be like, you know, Western or Eastern medical doctors or practitioners, there's always a follow-up. So I always encourage people to follow up. I'm not a medical doctor. I am not a nurse. I don't hold those credentials. Those are very, very, very vital and important for your recovery. Um, so I always encourage everybody to take all information that comes through me and the doctors to their medical doctor and uh, follow up with them. And they've caught things like, um, you know, leaking in spine. Uh, they've caught uh, Lyme's disease, cancer at the earliest stages. They've caught, um, you know, it, there was one patient or one client that I sat with and he has um, MS and it's known that he has MS. I didn't know it sitting with him. He was in a wheelchair. He's this amazing person. Mm -hmm. um, I went into it as a spiritual read. And it turned out that they took me through him medically as well. It was just a really long reading, but he needed it. Um, they brought me in medically because they showed me that on his lumbar spine, on the third vertebrae, so L3, he had a catheter that was actually embedded in there that I couldn't see. I was sitting with him, but I couldn't oh. see it. So there's a catheter in there, and they said it's off to the left. It's shifted, okay? And they said... Um, the medicine, he gets pain medicine through there. And when it gets administered, it's going into his muscle and not his spine. So he has 80% more pain in his legs and he needs to go to the doctor and get, you know, a, um, like a dye, uh, contrast dye uh, imagery. And when he went into his doctor, um, you know, his doctors kind of laughed at him because he said, my medium told me to come to you oh. <laughs> and that this was happening. And they're like, okay, you're medium, you know, I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound good. And so he was an advocate and he's a smart man. I mean, he's a really, really cool guy. And he advocated for himself, God bless him. And they finally said, fine, we will, we'll appease this. We'll, we'll do this for you. Like, sh you know, right. and they did it. And he's like, so, and the doctor said, you have a very talented medium. Oh. And it was, you know, and so it was confirmed. Yeah, and I, I was so excited to hear that about the doctors because many times, so one time I had this weird um, 
reaction to something that I ate. And there was a doctor and he was stumped. He, and he pulled out a book and he's like, I don't know what this is. So I'm just going to get an antibiotic, the biggest antibiotic I possibly can. I'm just going to throw it at it. Said, but I don't know what you have. And sometimes yeah. when they're honest, they are stumped themselves. <laughs> and so how cool that some of they're them are open-minded enough to consult with you and talk with you. And, and really when they reach the end of their knowing, be open to something that is in that unseen, unknown place. And there's a lot more open-minded um, doctors. I, I have such hope and belief that, you know, we're moving in this really exciting you know, direction. And I'm so happy that I can be just a tiny speck in this movement. But I mean, I know that one of, you know, the biggest things for me to do was to change the system. I immediately came out of there and knew that I needed to kind of give myself to science. Um, the first place I called when coming out of the hospital was the hospital I was re released from, which was Freighter. And I got to the top person there who, um, you know, it's a learning hospital. It's a teaching hospital, right? And, you know, they fund studies and I'm like, fund, fund a study on me. Do really? something. Like, really? Did they? <laughs> well, I was like, I hate MRIs. I don't want to be a guinea pig. Trust me. Like this sucks. But I know that my brain rewired weird and I see spirit. Now I communicate with them, you know, and I was adamant. I'm like, if you can use me and what happened to me, and it could help somebody with Alzheimer's in the future, or help someone with dementia, or help somebody with, you know, a a brain injury or something like if it can help then use me and or to recognize kids who come in with abilities like this or to recognize others yeah, yeah. but I think even more importantly like yeah it's great to recognize that and like I'm not brushing over that because it is really whatever like awesome to nourish like our kids <laughs> <is>. <laughs> whatever I, I say that like whatever because I always feel like well you know they're gonna do it or they're not um but it's like you know, I think more importantly, it's just, it's, we have to like raise, raise consciousness. We have to raise it across the board, like for science and, and doctors. I mean, how are we going to move to the next level if we can't combine all this? Right. How are we going to get to the next space right. if we can't acknowledge that there's something more than this? That's wonderful. And I think I heard in your interview that you even talked to a team of psychologists after your you were in the hospital too and they they were supportive was that correct <laughs> <laughs> well I mean they are actually really supportive but um I didn't go there to get their support I went there to see if there was something wrong with me that's why I'm laughing <laughs> I'm like, well. so after I came out of the hospital I knew what I was seeing I knew I was seeing spirit okay and I knew because everybody who I ran into that I gave a reading to confirmed oh, that is so-and-so, and this is exactly how they died, and I knew it. I needed a doctor to tell me, yep, that's exactly what it is, and it's funny. I needed, I needed that validation. I needed a doctor. I needed science to say, Carolyn, we can't explain this, but you're not crazy, and so, you know, I went, and I spilled the bean. I didn't hold back anything. I was like, here, if you think I'm crazy, like if there's something wrong here, because I had the meningitis, tell me, let's fix it. And, you know, I went to see a cancer doctor. I was like, what if I have brain cancer? <laughs> I was like, what if I have a tumor? It might be a tumor. So I'm like, you know, do something. You know, I went to a cancer doctor. Her, her loved ones came through when I was sitting in her office. So she's like, you know, in Aww. tears. And she's like, oh my God, like that's my loved ones. Like she, she's like, you, you speak to people who are crossed over. Like, I don't know what else to say, you know, like you don't have cancer. Um, because they had just scanned my brain at the hospital, of course. Um, cause I was in there with the meningitis and, um, you know, I went to a psychologist and when he was asking me questions, I gave him a reading. <laughs> Every single doctor that I sat with, I went to my family practitioner. 
And he's like, well, what do you see? You know, and I'm like, um, well, I see your dad in India and you didn't make it to his funeral. And he wants to, you know, and it's like, he, he wants to tell you that you need to forgive yourself because you're busy. And, you know, he liked the blanket that you sent him and like all of these things. It's like every doctor that I spoke with, their loved ones came through. And so they all gave me a clean bill of health they're like um, there's no way that you would know any of this um and you know when when they gave me tests to see if anything else was going on neurologically or psychologically i had a clean bill of health and one of the other bits of evidence that i think is profound it's wonderful that you get you know these confirmations from doctors but the, i want to talk some about the missing persons and the people who contact you because they have a missing child. And I think in a prior conversation, you had said you don't know sometimes until you get there if this is a death or if the person is still alive. So you can work either way, is that correct? I do, I work both with people who are deceased and also with people who are living. And that's why in the beginning, when you said I'm a psychic, I said, well, I guess I kind of am. Like, I don't really know um, if that would qualify. Um, I do this thing called remote viewing, um, which I was told was called remote viewing um, because I didn't know what it was called. Uh, they'll have me go somewhere when I'm searching for somebody or when I'm working on a cold case and they'll just say, look or see, and I'm there. And I can find, uh, I can see where I'm at, you know, what floor I'm on in a building and I can navigate. It's almost like being on Google map where you can like like go into satellite mode and you can like cruise around in satellite mode. That's how I feel in, in here. So I do this thing called remote viewing and that really helps me to, um, you know, move towards resolve in cases. Um, I've helped to find people both. I've found people both uh, deceased and alive. So I've located bodies and I have also, you know, located people um, that are still living, which is crucial. I think that the more that my name spreads, the more detectives are uh, opening up to me and contacting me, which is really, really wonderful because it helps to uh, find people. It's time sensitive. It's, everything's time sensitive. Right. And so and we'd rather find them alive. So in fact, I just helped locate someone a couple of weeks ago. So that was really great down by the Texas-Mexico border. Um, and there's a couple testimonials on my website. Um, one of them is... Uh, I love the Jordan White one. Oh, right. So the Jordan yeah. White one was a local one. Um, he was from Janesville. Just, I love him. Such a sweet... He's such a smart, sweet boy. Um, he's passed over. So I, I say that um, I, I, I know everybody that I work with on the other side. Um, some of them are part of my team. I call them my boys. Some of them are girls, but I call them my boys. <laughs> I'm like, those are my boys. Um, I just love them. They'll bring other cases to me. They'll bring other people to me. They lead people to me that need help. And they've just changed my life, Trisha. Like, I love them. And he really found himself through me. He, you know, when his family brought a map to me and laid it out in front of me and said, where is our son? Like I was able to point to where his body would be, but it was him that I was sourcing, you know, it was him that, that, that told me, I asked him. So. Wow. And so in moments like that, you, I've read on your Facebook page, and maybe this is the recent one, you've gotten things as detailed as even credit card numbers. Has this helped like different people locate them because of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to even talk about that. Some people are going to be like, so Carolyn, I lost my card. <laughs> I need a credit card number, Carolyn. <laughs> so I get some of that. I'm like, I'll get people that are like, hey girl, I lost my phone. Do you know where it is? <laughs> Stuck, okay <laughs> I love you and I appreciate the fact that you like you know trust my ability that I could find that but to be very very honest with you like joking aside it takes a lot of my mental energy and physical energy to locate people and animals and to do a reading and so locating objects I mean you guys when I lose my keys I'm just as 
like trumped as you guys. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll think back. I do the think back thing. Like, where was the last place I was? And people will call me and they'll be like, Carolyn, where are my keys? <laughs> and you know, but what's funny though, is that I, I really have tested it out and I have located things. So yeah, there's some people that were like, you know, I, I, my friend lost this and I'm like, oh, I see it in a van and somebody went this direction with it. And here's the landmarks that you can look for. Here are the signs. So when it's really big, important, expensive stuff, I do it because. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I, 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 this just came to me and this is something that I intuitively felt and I don't want to go too much into it because it wasn't a reading, but someone was talking about a suicide and I felt like it was a murder in someone's family. And it's, do you ever get cases like, or do you ever just get this knowing about situations like that where something is written down as, as one thing, murder and it was suicide or suicide and it was murder or, you know, various things like that. And you're like, no, 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 that's not really how it went down. All the time. Really? All the time. I hate it. It drives me crazy because wow. I go into cases. I never know what I'm going to get. I love what I do because it's exciting and it keeps me on my toes every day. Like I never know what I'm going to get, but I'll have somebody come to me and I'm like, Oh, I'm getting so-and-so and you know, they'll come through and I don't get their death right away. Sometimes I'll just be talking to them. And then all of a sudden they'll ask for that. And I'm like, okay, it would be really great if you could tell me, you know, because it's just stronger confirmation that it's you. And um, all of a sudden, sometimes I'm in a case. So people will come to me and not tell me, Hey, you're, I'm throwing you in a case right now. And all of a sudden I am in a case. And so that's how I've gotten pretty much every case. Like I, I sit with somebody and then I see that I am in a cold case or I am in a murder deemed suicide or, you know, et cetera. And that's happened so much to me because generally, let me just be honest, there's a lot of people who come to me that are at their wits end. Um, you don't come to somebody like me. Um, if you probably, most people don't come to somebody like me unless they've exhausted other avenues and, because it's kind of blind faith. It's like, okay, well, she has testimonials. I've heard about her and everything, but it's kind of this blind faith. And I know that because I'm human. And I, I guess that's the way I would think if, if I wasn't me, you know? Um, so yeah, I'll fall into cases like that where um, recently, actually, I'm working on two cases right now that are, which I can't, I can't give up the names right now because they're open cases, but it's funny that you bring that up because two of the cases, one local and one very not local, um, both are actually three. I have three. I have one pending and two other cases. So anyways, but all three of them are deemed suicide and they're not, they are not. And the evidence that's come up has been enough to bring in, you know, detectives and police again to relook and, you know, it's, it's little tiny things. It's kind of like I described it to a detective the other day. And when I described it to him, I was just saying, it's kind of like this, like we're not much different, right? I'm talking to this person, then I see their death. And it's like this, I have all this information in front of me, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, it's all laid out there. I've got all these images all at once and all this information coming at me. And I'll notice one little thing, like I'll, I'll see something interesting or unique about one of the pictures. So I hone in on it and I pull it forward and I look, I bring out my magnifying glass and I get a little closer look at it. And, you know, I might see something that they missed and it's not their fault. It's just, I'm seeing it from a different light, from a different perspective. It's it, when I see it through spirit, it cleans out all the mud. They can like kind of take out all the rubbish that's around in the physical and they can hone in. What do you mean the rubbish? Like there's a case that I'm working on right now and this, he's so, I love, I love everybody that I work with on the other side. So I'm like, I love them. I love them. But it's this striking young man. He's so handsome and died way too young. And um, he was left in an alley, you know, and um, I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm, 
okay, so you did drugs and stuff and I get it. Like, you know, okay, so suicide or whatever, you know what I mean? Like took too much that night or whatever, you know what I mean? But the way that he was propped against the garbage bags, I'm looking at it and I'm going, no, this looks too cliche. This looks too typical. If you had a junkie, where would you dump them? You know? So mm -hmm. there's, it's like, I get little red flags because they're common sense to me. It's like, duh, bullshit. That's what I see. Bullshit. So then I look in closer. I'm like, no, I don't like this. Something stinks here. You know? So then I want to take a closer look and I hone and I hone and I push myself. I push them. I push myself. Um, and I gather evidence and the more that I push, the more evidence I get. And, um, you know, that's just the way that I work. You know what I mean? And before you know it, I have a lot of information and it just doesn't match up with the original thought that anybody would have assumed. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a fair assumption. It's just not right. Very interesting. I don't know why I'm thinking this question, but you know, if, if you have this and other people have this ability, do you think people um, have abilities to harm people through psychic warfare in a sense or through you know ways that are you know non-traditional well governmentally possibly or yeah <laughs> or like just or just yeah like a little like witchcrafty to me i probably don't really play with the idea too much um right. and i'm not saying that to sound like okay well that's a bad question because it's a great question i'm just saying like for me i guess i've never really thought about it um I don't know if people, I, I don't really think that we yield that power. Bam. There you right. go. I don't think right. I yield any power. So do I think that I can harm someone through my thought? Like, oh my God, I'm not the fire starter or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. So like, sometimes I wish that were the case because I have some people that I'd start their pants on fire if I could. <laughs> um, yeah, it just uh, kind of struck me. I mean, certainly we've probably all read about governments and planning okay. things and people. So that's what I was saying. That. Yeah, I'm not, like that I'm not the person basis. I, you know, I, I guess I don't put a lot of stock into it. Um, right. There's probably a lot of people that, you know, don't like me out there. I don't know. I never think about it because I don't care. Right. But like, if you know, for people who don't like me, I mean, maybe there's people who wish me poorly, and who knows? I mean, maybe they give me meningitis, jerks. <laughs> 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 no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, life things happen. It's not all perfect. I mean, this is all one big classroom. You know, bad stuff is supposed to happen so that we can recognize the good and learn. But um as far as like governmental stuff, sure. I think that, you know, I mean, since the beginning of government, they probably use people like us and you know, to get information, which I guess could then be used uh as power. Uh, against another country or things like that like I don't know right yeah it's it's just an interesting thought so it back is. to the ideas um of having these relationships with these people I know what you're talking about like one of the first readings I gave was a young man actually and he came through and he wanted me to see how good looking he was and he showed me what he looked like and it was just so so cute you know like their personalities really come through so yeah, so you say that many of them stay with you and help you find other cases. So are they like joined because of the way they died in some way? I see patterns sometimes. Um, I'll get, at first I was like, is this some mean joke? Like, because I would get one person that was like hanging or something. And then all of a sudden I'd have like six hangings in a row. And I'm like, wait a minute am i wrong in a way it would snag me up i'm like wait how could this be again i just had someone who was hanging yesterday or something do you know what i'm saying right and um it would kind of throw me off but then i learned that yeah they do connect on that level sometimes they'll pull another person that had a similar death to them so it's kind of like oh here it's like us like we both have ndes we both have some like a lot of commonalities so now we are talking and you know, I dig you. I just love you. And I think you're great. And it's like, I enjoy talking with you and it's no different over there. It's like, you find people that you connect with, you know, and 
you're hanging out and you're talking. Oh yeah, you know that happened to me too. You <laughs> talk to this clapper girl over there, you know. Oh, <laughs> no, just I gotta hook you up with her because you know she can talk to your mom or something. I don't I, know. I, I think mean, I think Hollywood needs to get a hold of this concept. You know, like, in, in the afterlife, they're all hanging out. You know? Well, that's truly that's, how I see it. So yes. what happens is, like I said, when if you go back to um, my hospital stay, you know. When I was in the hospital, I not only saw my loved ones, but I also saw loved ones that were random people around me. So like, it's kind of the chicken or egg theory. Like, I don't know, sometimes the people who contact me here, I don't know if it's really them who decided or heard about me or if it was their loved one on the other side that put it before them and said, hey, contact her, you know, yeah. which is not stated on my website. I mean, like, I don't know if you were led here by somebody else. And that's the truth. Like, right. Right. You might think something's your idea and it's really not. It's really your loved ones on the other side pushing you. And just recently I had a little girl, there was a little girl. Oh God, I love her. She's one of my people over there. And so I don't get to see her very often. I hadn't seen her in a couple of years and she's five. She got hit by a car. I saw her years ago. Um, and helped connect her to her family and stuff. Um, to get some resolve here for her. It's a long story, I won't go through it, but I just saw her again recently. She brought a little boy who was like three years old and died and brought him to me. She had told me in her reading years ago that she was gonna be bringing me children to contact um, their parents through me. And she showed me a little boy who had dark hair and he was three years old. She showed him to me in her hand at the end of her reading. This is years ago. And she showed up with him at my bedside a couple of months ago and he was three and he had passed. And I don't even think if I do the math, I don't think he had even been born yet when I gave her her reading. When I gave the reading for her to her mom, he wasn't even born yet, but she had shown me that she was gonna bring him to me. So that, that conjures up a whole lot of other questions for me. Like he wasn't even born, but yet she was bringing to me, showing, showing me that she was going to bring him to me deceased. Oh, interesting, very interesting. Yeah. So when people come to you for readings, I've noticed maybe maybe from just talking with you, you don't want people to chime in and give you information. Like generally, you just want to do the talking. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't want to know. It's actually a disadvantage for them with me if they tell me. It's a disadvantage because I work better when I just work through spirit. Like. I trust them more than I trust myself and more than I trust anyone I'm sitting with, to be honest with you. Um, they know, you know what I mean? Oh, so and, it's like, yeah. and if it's a murder and it's a, they thought it was a suicide, I mean, they could literally get confused information coming at you. So it's better to let you talk in that sense. Well, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes information will come through, like I said, and somebody may not know one thing that comes through and they might go, no, that doesn't, add up that doesn't jive with me like I don't know what you're talking about and I'll say I mean people will tell you like if they've sat with me I'll be like just write it down anyway that's what I say just write it down anyway because even though you don't know you'll find out and they're telling me like you're telling me no dad your dad on the other side's telling me yes <laughs> I'm gonna listen to your dad because he's over there and we're here so come on he's already leveled up so I, I think I'll take his advice on this one <laughs> so I'm like write it down and I always say this to people now because I've, I've learned my lesson I'm like okay write it down and then when you find out that I'm right shoot me a text and I always get that text it is so, great to have that uh, certainty, you know, that, that you're in that place of just oh, yeah. trusting that side more than, than what people are saying. Because people lie a lot here, too. <laughs> like, that's another thing. You know, I don't even think that they, they, I don't they even forget. know if they mean to. I think that they try to help. I think yeah. like they want to help. Like, I don't think that anybody is doing it maliciously or to say, or to catch me getting something wrong. I think it's just like they really want. They, they want me to be right. They want oh, me yeah. to 
they want all that to be right. Oh, they want in a reading. Yeah. yeah, in a reading. Yeah, I'm just saying in regular life, like, you know, I'll hear spirits talking about people who are talking and I'm like, they're just not telling the truth. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of lying going on, but between people, you know, as they converse and I'll hear like the truth you know, coming in from somewhere. And that's, a, that's really confusing sometimes, <laughs> but I've learned to believe. I've learned to believe more so in the other side than what I'm seeing some people say. I think it's fun. I messed with my brother at Thanksgiving. I'm like, so I hope he doesn't watch this. <laughs> like, when are you going to propose, you know, to his girlfriend? And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh-uh. Oh, I don't think so. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and you so know. Then, well, so then, I mean, I haven't seen him in a long time. So then I see what his first idea was. And I'm like, oh, so France, huh? I know that's really crazy. I know, right? So it's not like I just, pull, oh, so you're going to go to Applebee's now. <laughs> oh, wow. And then I start getting that. And then I'm like, oh, but then you changed your mind. And this is what you're doing. I'm not even going to say it on here because if his girlfriend or him, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. But then I got it. And he's like, I hate you. Oh. <laughs> like, you're so weird. Like, I know. I love you too. You're not used to it, you know? Oh, that's and great. It's, it's like, even when people try and lie or pull one over, it's like, I can still see it and I have fun with it. I don't know. It's so funny. It I mean, I like it. That's it's hilarious. Like little, it's like a game. That's hilarious. So... I'm going to have to end here with one final question. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. But I do want to tell people who are watching this that I'm going to work with you. And I have always felt that I've had a missing brother out there from my dad's mm -hmm. side, a half brother. And so soon I'm going to take Ancestry.com and I'll give you a really public <laughs> view if we can find it. And I'll make a video about it. We'll bring my brother on. It's going to be yeah. exciting. But it will be exciting. And the fact that it came through just kind of organically through a conversation the other day, I think is, is telling of how spirit works. And do you care that I say that or? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Cause we were just chatting for a second and then you're, you, you mentioned your dad and then I got him. So that happens a lot. Like if I'm not trying to do a reading and then somebody will mention somebody and I'm like, Oh God. And then they're there. They're like right with me. And I'm like, Whoa! like the person's talking and I'm like, I don't want to be rude, but it's like, they're right here. And I'm like, okay. And then I have to speak, right? I've got to like bring through. And your dad was like, all of a sudden you're not talking anymore. You're talking, but I can't hear you. And it's like, all I could hear was him. Like, well, she's a single, I won't share your stuff, but unless it's okay. Oh yeah. No, it's fine. I write uh, openly about a lot of stuff. That's fine. <laughs> cause I was going to say like, cause then he came through and he's like, well, she's an only child remember. And he starts showing me the dynamics of your family and how things were when you were growing up. And then, but, but right away he said, there's a brother, you know what I mean? And so it was, it was just really cool that, that yeah. even came up. And it, I'm excited it, to work with you on this. Yeah. And I was so thrilled too, because I pushed it away. I felt it most of my life. And then I just never took the ancestry.com thing. And I thought, oh, well, he's out there. But th when you said it, I was like, oh my God, I need to make an effort to find him because I felt it. <laughs> and it was so cool that you, you brought it up and it's, and it sparked it again. Yeah. kind of cool, right? It's really cool. So, yeah, we might have a follow-up video at some point where we bring him <laughs> in. If you're really super open, we could even maybe do your reading and, like, if you want to post it. Although so much personal stuff might come through that you might not want to. I'm always like, Ugh. Well, we'll record it and maybe and I'll do clips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be really awesome. <laughs> oh, well, it has been so fun chatting with you. And of course, to everyone listening, I'm going to put Carolyn's link below and uh, all of her information. And I would really suggest that people read through the testimonials because they will blow you away the specifics uh, from other people. And I might post some other blog links and things, but thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for chatting with me. Yes, it was so wonderful having a conversation with you, and I look forward to talking soon. Yes, definitely. Well, Thanks.